Hey everybody, welcome to Faith Over Fear. It is February 28th. Today is a special episode. I have been waiting a long time to do this a few weeks now. We've got a special guest that I will introduce here momentarily. Um, before we get into it, I want to kind of highlight what's happening overseas. I think it's important that we keep praying for Ukraine and praying, for, especially for the church. Um, the church is under a lot of attack on, over there right now, and I just think it's important as um, fellow believers that we continue to keep them on the forefront of our prayers and to continue to intercede for them. So I just want to encourage all you guys, keep praying for Ukraine um, and keep just keep praying for global peace as close as we can see it on this earth. So with that being said, I would like to introduce Brooke Larkin. <laughs> we are going to be discussing abortion this week. So this is going to be this is going to be a hot topic. I know a lot of you guys out there listening. I don't know where maybe all of you fall on the side of it, but I, I hope after this conversation, you guys can take the information we give you. I hope it encourages you to choose pro-life. I hope it encourages you to stand firm on what the Bible says on abortion. And, and if you got any questions or if you want to get involved, hopefully we have some options for you there at the end of the episode. So with that being said, Brooke, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm yep. so excited to be here. Absolutely. So um, so we've been talking and I, we just kind of want to start with, um, I guess, why people have abortions. So we were we were discussing the numbers. Um, Human Life International said they had an article back in May of 2021, Why Women Abort. They said that 3.5% of cases were, quote unquote, the hard cases, meaning it was a hard decision. It wasn't something that they were just free willy nilly ready to do. And then 96.5% were just because pretty much. Um, after kind of diving into that 3.5%, and Brooke and I talked about this before, is really it's more like 2%. 1.28% um, was to preserve the mental health of the mother, which a lot of those cases could have been prevented if we actually address her real mental health needs instead of just saying abortion is going to fix your mental Correct. health because abortion actually makes it worse. So, Correct. And then that's why I, I don't want to offend anyone, but that's kind of garbage. That 1.28% is just garbage because it's not helping women. Correct. And, and, and the most important thing is, is you're not preserving the mental health of a woman, like by having an abortion. Exactly. I think if you have most conversations and this is something I think you can, I mean, you will be able to talk to is most women who have an abortion regret it afterwards. Is that, is that correct? Yes. I don't have an exact stat on like the number because I don't think that's accurately um, documented. I think a lot of women who have not sought healing and have not actually kind of done some introspection and, figured out how they actually feel about this are still kind of in um, denial about what actually happened and are in denial about um, their child that was lost. Right. right. So I don't, I don't think, I think a lot of our statistics in America are skewed just because it is a hot topic and it is a little bit more controversial. Right. And, and that's a good point too, is people are not going to want to just like throw out necessarily the true numbers of that because it is going to, it, it gets dicey. I mean, I, I have known women to have abortions yeah. that 
I, they would tell you now, never, like they, if they could, they would take it, like take that back, hundred percent, like not even, not even like question about it, right? Yeah. So I think so. We both agree. Take that one point two eight percent out. It's truly two point two percent compared or um, comparing May of last year. So that brings us to ninety eight percent of abortions are just because you don't want a, a baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, you can label it however you want to. You can call it whatever you want to to make mm-hmm. yourself feel better. But at the end of the day, you made a decision as an individual, and now you don't want to have to have the quote unquote consequence. Um, to break down the 2.2%, there's 1.1% they said was to save the life of the mother. And this is the one for me that I, like I, like I said earlier, I struggle with a little bit as a Christian because I will always say save the life of the child at all costs at, 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 at any moment. I'm not going to necessarily, I, I wouldn't bash anybody having abortion anyways, but I, ne- I wouldn't necessarily I don't know what I would say to a woman if she said she did it because like, let's say a doctor said that she wouldn't make it through a, through a birth. Mm-hmm. That one to me is hard. I, I don't know what I would tell a woman because a woman's life, you know, a baby's life is dependent on the, the mom's life. So like that one to me is, is to me, it's truly a 1% is a hard decision. Yeah. And that's in, that's in the mother's safety. Yeah. Well, and I mean, with that 1%, it really is a case-by-case basis of what is the life of the mother. Is it an ectopic pregnancy that is not actually going to be a viable pregnancy? Is that the embryo implanting the fallopian tube, which is going to eventually result in the death of the child and the death of the mother? Because obviously with that, that's not a viable pregnancy, unfortunately, until technology advances to where we can take that embryo and implant it into the uterus. Unfortunately, that's not going to be something that at least as of this point, we can save the child. So something like that is a very real life of the mother case, Um, but something like mental health, like a lot of uh, women will get uh, abortions because of their mental health, when in reality, like that's not necessarily a life, life or death situation. And ultimately we need to get that mother counseling and care and, you know, other support to deal with her mental health issues, not necessarily, you know, kill her child to deal with that. So, Uh, The life of the mother situation is definitely a case-by-case basis. Um, And I always say, get a second opinion because I work very closely with a mother-daughter duo in Georgia who the mom struggled with infertility, finally got pregnant with her daughter and was told that it it was going to be an extremely high-risk pregnancy. She had to have an abortion or else she was going to die. So she ended up going to five different doctors before there was a doctor that would take her case And her daughter was extremely premature, spent a lot of time in and out of the NICU, but now she's 24 years old, completely healthy and this beautiful girl. But it took her five different doctors to get that doctor that would take that high risk case, which I mean, that's unfair because she was one of those cases that extremely like loved this child and wanted that child. And yet these doctors were telling her, nope, it's too high risk. Right. And if she did listen to the first four doctors and she wouldn't have her daughter. Exactly. And, and a side note, that's what's so amazing about the United States healthcare system is that we have options. We don't have to go to one place. Mm-hmm. And I think if any woman out there is listening to know that is, like you said, go get another opinion yes. because there's other countries that can't do that. Yeah. You know, especially in like socialist countries where their medicine is very it's expensive and it's hard, you know, to even get into the doctor. It's pretty much 
I tell you this and you're done. Even a country like Canada. Right. Where, exactly. Yeah. Where it is socialized healthcare, that would be a lot more difficult for that doctor to be treating both you like patients. And ultimately, as a pregnant woman, you want to find a doctor who will be treating you and your child as patients. Right. You want them to care for both of you in high stress situations, just as he would, you know, any other normal person in the hospital. Right. Right. I agree. And so... To finish out the two percent, so well, and like I think we both agree, it's really, it's really one percent. Yeah. The other one percent is made up of, um, I think point pretty much point four is rape or incest, which is pretty much rape, and then um, the rest of that one percent is is fetal birth defects in eugenics, which we will get to that in a minute. I want to touch on the rape one for a second because I feel like when people argue about abortion, it's always what if the what if the girl's raped yeah that's always what the that's always the go-to and i think if i'm not mistaken i should look this up there was a case i believe it was in georgia when they were fighting this abortion case the guy pretty much was like well what if your daughter gets raped and like that was like the sole the determining sp- factor of what was going on and and i think so there's a couple things wrong with it, in my opinion, as a believer. So first, it's garbage because I, because we we go off of this like low, little, teeny, tiny amount of cases so often in America and so many different landscapes to where we try to use this little teeny, teeny thing like mm-hmm. one off to erase the whole rest of it. And so I, one, I think that that's wrong. I think that we have to stop using these like, yeah, it, it might happen. You might get, you know, several, you know, I mean, I guess on a large scale, I know it'd be a couple thousand, but mm-hmm you'd have several who are raped and want to get an abortion. And so that's going to be the go-to. Mm-hmm. And so one, that's just not a, in my opinion, that's not a viable argument. The second thing is, as believers, you know, cause people have asked me, well, what if your, what if your wife, wife was raped and not, you know, obviously I'd be, you know, all sorts of emotions, but I think at the end of the day, what we have to remember is, is like, that's still half my wife. Mm-hmm. So like in a rape case, you know, in a, in a young girl, whatever. Being. Right. So like, so one, it's life, but two, it's half of you. Like you made half that life. Mm-hmm. Like, so like, I almost take it even a step further. Not only are you ending that life, but you're ending like part of your life because that's, you know, like the Bible talks about your, like your descendants, because that is an extension of my life. Like my kids are my responsibility. They're an extension of me and, and my wife. And so, you know, God forbid if that ever happened to our family. And I pray, obviously, that, you know, the Lord protects us from that. But I think that if that was the case, like, that's still half my wife. Well, and also, why are we punishing an innocent human being for the sins of the father? True. Right. You know, in that case, this is an innocent human being. The child has done nothing wrong in this situation. Um, If you don't want to parent that child, that is completely your choice. However, that child still has the equal right to life. Right. So if you would like to place that child for adoption, that is completely, you know, your prerogative. You're allowed to do that. That's your right. But, you know, that's still a human being. That's the end of the day with the abortion argument is it comes down to a human rights issue. Correct. You know, and I don't want to discount any of um, any of these statistics, because even if it's one person that chooses abortion because of rape, like that's still something that they went through. Right. And that's still an experience because, unfortunately, I work mainly on middle school, high schools, and college campuses. And when I'm having a conversation um, to a girl or a, a male on a college campus, one in three women have been sexually assaulted on college campuses. Oh, 
I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. So I think if I'm talking to a girl, either her or someone with an earshot has been sexually assaulted in their time at college. So, you know, with the rape topic, you really do have to take take on this conversation a lot more um, gracefully right. than any of these other arguments, because more than likely, maybe not somebody that's conceived in rape, but they have had that trauma of sexual right. assault. Right. Um, and ultimately we have to, we have to take a step back and look at what is, what is going to actually help the woman? Because these women have been through some severe trauma just with sexual assault. And is an abortion going to solve the root of the issue? Is the abortion going to take away that trauma that she's already gone through? Right. And I think with any, um, circumstance that, brings a woman to the abortion facility, we need to ask that exact question. Right. Is an abortion going to solve her problems? Right. And I, and I think too, like to add to that point is like, as believers, like the word says, like, I will take what's bad and use it for good. And so like, there's so many like situations out there where like, let's say the woman was raped and she decided to, to keep the child. And then that child becomes the greatest joy of your life. And that's because yeah. it's a beautiful depiction of what God said that I will take your bad and use it for good. And so I agree with you. I think, and that's why like, you do want to approach these with, with, with grace, mm -hmm. you know, in any situation yeah. you want to approach it with grace as, as believers, but you obviously want to be easy with those conversations because it's, it goes further than the baby in, in rape. So like, you're going to have to deal with that for a while. And I agree with you. Like, I think that we need to get to a point where, What's the best, what's the best option for the mother and the child? Because just getting rid of the child is not getting rid of the rape. It's not getting rid of the situation and it's not getting rid of it out of your mind, unfortunately. And so I agree a hundred percent. I think that there's got to be something more that we do, which is what you do. And that's, what's so great about what you do, which again, we'll get into that here yeah. in a minute too. Um, so then, so let's touch real quick on this because obviously we'll bring all this back you know, back together. But so the last one was fetal birth defects or eugenics. So first of all, fetal birth defects, get out of here, mm -hmm. get out of here. Like talk about ableism, right? Like that's just like, I'll, I'll never forget when, um, when my wife and I found out that we were pregnant with my first son, David, um, we were 21. Uh, I didn't really, I mean, I I've always wanted kids. I've always wanted to be a dad. Like when, when I was like 11 and 12 years old, if people ask what I want to be when I grow up, I would tell you, I want to be a husband and father. Like, I, like I, I was so excited, but I was also like, so lost. Like I've never, you know, we've never gone through it. Right. And so I'll never forget. Um, we were in there and, and I think it was the eight week checkup and the doctor asked if we wanted to go through some form of testing where it, it's, it's dangerous for the mom and the child. And, and me at 21, I was like, well, I mean, like you're telling me it's dangerous. Now I don't want to do it, but, but just out of curiosity, why would people do it? And I guess this was kind of my innocence, like, mm -hmm. you know, and she's like, well, some people, you know, want to know if there's going to be birth defects. And I was like, well, who cares? Why? I mean, yeah. I don't care. I mean, it's still my kid. And they're yeah. like, and then that was when she was like, some people will take that information and, and decide to, to terminate, to terminate. And I remember being in tears like, I, and I'm about to start now, like it just broke my heart. And I'm like, that is your, like, you're not even talking about these cases anymore, right? Like you're talking about like a, 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 like someone who wants a child, like you want a child, but yet you want, like, you want a it's just, it's just so selfish. Yeah. Like you want your child on your terms on how you want it. And like, that just breaks my heart. Like, so like 
I don't even think we really need to go further than that. That's just garbage. Like yeah. that to me is just like or defects. I know yeah. that there are some defects. I understand. Like I, th- I don't remember what it's called, but like when like they don't have a skull and the skull's not going to form and they won't make it. Like I, I can't remember what the name of that is. So like I understand that there are some birth defects that are something that you definitely need to talk about. And again, I think we, I would go back to get multiple opinions. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I actually have some stats on um, disability discrimination abortions. So 27,000 abortions are due to disability discrimination. Yeah. And most of those are actually late term abortions. So after 20 weeks, because um, you know, you're a father of three, you know what happens around 20 weeks, you find out the gender and you also right. find out about any sort of fetal abnormalities. So, um, fun fact in North Carolina, we do have a fetal pain law. So abortion is only legal until 20 weeks in actually all three of the states that I cover, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. However, there are always exceptions. So some of these exceptions could be fetal abnormalities. Okay. Um, And if you ever hear somebody say, you know, I think late term abortion should stay legal because of the life of the mother, you can also discount that because at this point, the woman is giving birth in the abortion. Um, the only difference is that they're killing the baby before she gives birth. Right. That's true. And, and that's something that I don't, I don't think I've thought about most often because they actually, if I'm not mistaken, sometimes at 17, 18 weeks, you would still have to go through labor of, and like, like, like if you lose a child, mm-hmm. if you have a miscarriage, then they'll make you go through, you know, yeah, they'll make you go through the whole thing, even though you know, unfortunately you've lost it. So I think I, that it's a good point that you bring up. Cause I don't think that's one that people think of most often is, is, you know, you're still going to have to birth that child. Exactly. So, yeah. um, and then, so we'll, and so we'll go into eugenics next cause that's the last bit. But before we do that, mm-hmm. I have to apologize to the audience. So this is Brooke Larkin. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let her kind of explain who she is and what company she's working with. I know we kind of got into the stats kind of mm-hmm. early. I was, we just jumped right in. Yeah, we just went right into it. I should have introduced her and let her kind of give, you know, who she is first. So go ahead, Brooke. Let's- yeah, so my name is Brooke Larkin. I'm the Southeast Regional Coordinator for Students for Life of America. So I have been in this position for almost three years now, and I cover the Carolinas in Georgia, and I basically do all things pro-life movement for middle school, high school, college, and then we also work in the community. So if there's anything going on uh, in the pro-life movement in the Southeast, I'm probably involved in it. So it's super fun, um, keeps me very busy, and definitely keeps me on my toes. Just last week, actually, I had somebody steal my 26-week uh, fetal model, run away with it. So that just, keeps, you, getting, keeps it, you on your toes. It does. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and Students for Life, the mission statement is to recruit, train, and mobilize the pro-life generation to abolish abortion. So we do that through different areas of activism, education, um, and outreach and policy. So there's a lot of different branches of what we do. But like I said, it's basically all things pro-life movement in the Southeast for me. Awesome. Awesome. Which, if I'm not mistaken, you were at the Love Life this morning, correct? Yeah, I was. Was that for volunteer or was that with work or obviously what you do, I'll just say, obviously what you do is volunteer. I know it's your job, but yeah. um, to be on the front lines of, of this fight is, is, is awesome. I mean, it, it is volunteering. I mean, I know it's your job, but, and I just want to say thank you. Um, You know, as a believer, like it takes special people to be in these roles to make a difference. And, and I have to admit, I've not been to a love life walk yet. Oh, you gotta go. It is a shame on me. Um, I've had multiple opportunities. I, I can't, you know, 
All right, we're going to change that. Yeah, I can't give you a good excuse of why, you know. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, the kids or whatever, and but it's not a good option, right? Because, I mean, 100%. There are plenty of babies 100%. So, um, but, yeah, so that's awesome. Um, so, you are on the front lines. You are on the front lines when it comes to abortion. So for the most part, yeah. Um, it, it definitely, depending on the day, depends on kind of what my job looks like. I could be doing office work, sitting from the couch, or I could be uh, hosting our campus tour at a college, or I could be doing a youth group talk at a church. Um, you know, it just really depends. So something like this morning with Love Life is a little bit more of something that I like to do to, to kind of re-energize myself and remind myself of why this is such an important topic to be talking about and such an important thing as Christians for us to be getting involved in. Because if you when when you go to Love Life and you stand outside of that abortion facility, you can physically feel um, that spiritual warfare going on. Absolutely. You can physically feel the oppression and that fight going on in front of you. So it really is just a great reminder of this is such an important issue. Um, you know, there are millions of human beings dying from abortion every single year. Um, thousands dying in our country every single day. Um, and this is so important. It's the most um, important human rights issue of our generation. Oh, I agree 100 percent with that. And I think um, one thing that I really want to tie in with the podcast, obviously being faith or fear and being a faith based along with you, is that we as believers have got to get involved. Um, you know, yes. I know you do it as a career, but obviously it's because it was a point of importance for you. Mm-hmm. Um but as believers, we've got to we've got to join the fight. We've got to 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 mobilize against um, against this because I think yeah. correct me from my I think it's been over a million babies have been aborted in America alone since Roe v. Wade. I believe over sixty one million. Sixty one million. One million every year. It's one million a year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yes. <clears throat> yeah. So that's that's one fifth of our generation gone because of abortion. That's nuts. Yeah. That's nuts. And to be to be honest. How is this any different than what China does on their one baby law? It's not. It's not any different. It's not. We're just trying to make it seem like it's not as bad. But we're we, sugarcoating it. Right. We we complain about that all all the time, right? I mean, I hear people all the time. I can't believe I can't believe China would do that. <laughs> I can't believe we abort abort a you know a million babies a year. So I mean, I, I really don't think that that's any different. So I yeah. mean, but as Christians, mm-hmm. we've got to join the fight, and I think yeah. that it looks a couple different ways. And this is something else I kind of want you to touch on is mm-hmm. i mean obviously there's financial giving there's volunteering your time there's praying mm-hmm. i mean prayer Every will go further than a- anywhere you know and, and i will say i pray for that all the time i've not been to a love life yet unfortunately but i i just believe so strongly in in prayer but i i'd, I'd like you to kind of you know yeah. with the financial aspect or the yeah. volunteer what can people do um, with your organization to get involved? I mean, there are so many amazing organizations that I could say, you know, go give your money to. Like, um, Let Them Live is amazing. Any local pregnancy center needs diapers even. If you just want to go buy some diapers and give them to the pregnancy center or formula or, you know, babies are expensive. So any sort of uh, monetary things that we can give to these organizations that are providing for those needs of women is so important. Um, there are so many Amazon registries out there of women in need as well. I know like Abby Johnson will share them just randomly whenever a woman pops up, like here's a registry. She needs all of this in the next week. Um, 
And I work for Students for Life of America. So if you want to help put boots on the ground in the Southeast, you can donate to us. Um, I typically travel around 20 hours every week. So that's just driving all over. So if you donate to the Southeast, that covers um, food, travel costs. It covers housing stays. If I do have to stay in a hotel, most of the time I try to stay in host homes. Um, luckily, having gone to Liberty University, I have friends all over the place, which is great. So I don't typically have to stay with too many donors, but we do have amazing host homes. That's something else you can do. If you just have an extra room to give, um, just open that up for a pro-life advocate in your area. Or even if you have an extra space, open that up to a woman in need. Um, you know, there are women all the time that find themselves pregnant and kicked out of their house. So yeah. if you have an extra space to provide, you know, there are just so many ways that you can not even go out and stand on the sidewalk. Right. Um, you know, if that's where your heart is, sidewalk advocacy is great. Um, 40 Days for Life just started. You can go stand out in front of an abortion facility and pray for an hour. Mm. Um, let's see. Volunteering at some of these places like pregnancy centers are mostly volunteer ran. Um, you can volunteer with a local right to life chapter. Gosh, there's, oh, if you want to even like send out petitions, we do paid family leave petitions. We do petitions for adoption and foster care reform. Even something like signing a petition is a great way to volunteer. So hmm. there are so many ways, like I could go on and on that we encourage our students to get involved with, um, but that even you as a you know, normal human can get involved with too. You don't have to be a pro-life advocate or activist. You don't have to work in the movement full time uh, to make a change and to take that first step into action. Okay. And that's the most important thing. If anybody hears anything about what we just said is that it doesn't mean that you have to just be on the streets. Mm -hmm. There are so many other options that we can do to get involved. And yes. what one thing I'll do is for all our listeners, um, if you're following us on Facebook, I will get with Brooke and we'll share some websites, share some opportunities to get involved, to pray, to donate, um, and to do all that jazz. So I'll work on getting some information like that on out on our social media platforms. I also want everyone listening to pray about fostering or adoption as well, because that is such a huge need. Um, you know, we need good Christ-loving families Absolutely. to be adopting and fostering because I have a couple of friends that went through the foster care system and their accounts of being in a Christ-fearing home and just the impact that even if it was for six months, the impact that that had on their lives literally changed the course of their life. Mm. So, you know, these are little things that, I mean, or big things, you know, right. these are life changes. But at the same time, you know, if you are feeling called to that, please just take that next step. Just get get more information. Absolutely. Uh, yes, just get more information. Yeah. If anything, just ask. Just yes. ask the question, what can I do? Yeah. So, well, that's awesome. Um, Brooke, thank you so much for not just coming on our podcast today. Thank you so much for what you do, what you stand for, and and just leading the charge. Thank you so much. Um, guys, we could probably go on for another, I'd say, couple weeks on this, this topic. So, um, Brooke, I would love to have you on again. Um, so we can kind of go further into it. Yeah. Maybe we can touch a couple different topics and we can kind of go in more into, um, into it with more depth. Yeah. I would love that. So thank you so much for coming on guys. As usual, if you like what you hear, please like us, share us with your family, your friends, find us on Facebook, on Instagram, listen to us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you listen, give us a five-star rating. 
leave us a review. All these things help us get the message of faith or fear out and it will help us, um, it'll just help us spread the word and, and spread the kingdom. So guys, thank you so much for joining in, Brooke. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Awesome. See you guys. Love you guys. Bye.